and welcome to Mojo for the Modern Man. This is your host, Ken Mossman, and today I'm delighted to be joined for Act One of my conversation with Matt Sinkovitz. Now, Matt's an ordained Buddhist minister, priest, an Osho, actually. And in this first act, he shares stories of his Pentecostal upbringing, including a trip he made to China with his mother to do missionary work when he was just 13 years old. He speaks about finding the courage to ask the bigger questions that led to a college philosophy class, and that in turn eventually led to discovering his own spiritual path that diverged significantly from that Pentecostal upbringing. He describes how love serves to connect he and his family to this day, even though they have headed in such different religious directions, and he touches on depression, bumping up against suicidal ideation, and awakening to the idea that he was, in fact, not just his mind, as he puts it. And that awakening really opened the door to studying the mind, to studying meditation, to moving back closer to home later on, and pouring himself into Buddhist studies that eventually led to enrolling in his seminary program. And it was toward the end of his seminary studies that the direction of his work really began to take clear shape. This is a great conversation. As I mentioned, Matt is is simply delightful to be in conversation with. And just a quick reminder before we get into it here, if you have not yet, please do subscribe to Mojo for the Modern Man on your favorite podcasting service. Let's take a plunge into this conversation between myself and Matt Sinkovitz. Enjoy. Matt Sinkovitz, it is a delight to welcome you to Mojo for the Modern Man. It's good to have you here. Ken, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. So let's start here. What was it like growing up in your part of the world? It was beautiful. Uh, you know, at the time, I didn't have as much appreciation for it as I do now. I grew up in a small town, small rural farming community. Uh, population was about a 1,000 wow. uh, growing up, one traffic light, lots of uh, Amish and Mennonite uh, all around, um, small graduating class, one of those communities that, you know, as a kid, I found myself quite bored um, in and, you know, wanting other stuff to do, but that required me to get creative and use my imagination and, you know, learn to appreciate it and enjoy the simple things and nature. Um, so, yeah, big focus on community faith. Um, and I think just kind of the, the smaller, simpler, finer things of life, you know, it was be- beautiful growing up. Yeah. So Amish and Mennonite. So, uh, mid Pennsylvania. Yeah. South, uh, South central Pennsylvania, a small town called Newville, Pennsylvania, outside of Harrisburg, about 45 minutes outside of Harrisburg, which is the capital. Nice. And as you look back at your, or at your early days, you know, what are some of experiences experiences that 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 whether you realized it at the time or not really shaped you for lack of a better way of putting it yeah uh i think probably the biggest one would be my upbringing in in church uh from a young age you know i grew up in the pentecostal church grew up uh, my parents heavily involved in missions work um, and, uh, prison work. So some of my earliest memories were my parents, you know, going off to Haiti and Mexico to do 
uh, missions work. I actually went to China with my with my mom and a group of missionaries at a, at a young age, and um, also being involved in the prison ministry, visiting inmates at a young age in state and federal prisons, and um, being involved in that community and a lot of time in church, which had its own dysfunction, you know, and and I had my own uh, aversion to it, but. I would say that would be that probably the element of my life which shaped me the most. You know. Yeah, I think we're going to end up getting into some of the aversions later on. Perhaps <laughs> they often make their way into these conversations. And, and, and you know, I'm wildly curious about it. first of all, how old were you when you took that trip to China, and what the impact of that experience was? Yeah, well, I'll just speak candidly. Uh, I'm never sure how much how much of this I should share, you know. Uh, but yeah, I was about 13 years old, and I went with my mom and a group of, of missionaries, and we actually took Bibles into China, which was, uh, I, I guess, maybe illegal at the time and uh, yeah. quite dangerous. And so, in retrospect, I'm like, you know, I don't know what my mom was thinking, you know. Um, but we did it, and we, we we went about it our way, and we met with a, kind of a, a an undercover person over there, and. Uh, yeah, so and we hung out in Beijing, and I got to see the Great Wall and Tiananmen Square. And for whatever reason, my mom let me just like roam around uh, Beijing by myself, and I was like in the in the Silk Market by myself and riding rickshaws, and um, it it was amazing. And and at the time, it was a beautiful experience. It was it was fantastic as a kid. However, I, I I'm sure I did not appreciate the full magnitude of where I was and what I was doing at that time. You know. Um, but a, a cool, a cool memory for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And you shared a little bit of your experience, uh, with me the first time you and I spoke and the, you know, you mentioned these, these, these kind of rifts or dysfunctions that you, that you became aware of as you got a little older. And so talk, spend, spend a little bit of time talking about, about, those and the experience. Yeah, can can you actually just specify a little bit? Can uh, what, what riffs or dysfunctions that we could probably name a few? Oh, about life in the you know you said life in the church. Mm, yeah, I got you. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure what your you know religious or spiritual background or or belief set is. I'm more of a universal kind of guy now. I'm actually now ordained as a Buddhist uh, minister. And serve as a chaplain, interfaith chaplain in the in the hospital in hospitals and prisons. Um, but for me, you know, I think it was just the the standard stuff that maybe turns a lot of people off about um, church. You know, like this idea of God in a box, uh, a a ruling God, a God of fear, a God of judgment. You know, um, and uh, maybe never feeling like I was quite good enough and. Uh, yeah, a lot of just the crap that I think people deal with in in, in traditional religious settings. Um, a lot of hypocrisy, I think I saw in the church. A lot of confusion, a lot of mixed messages, probably. Um, and when I mentioned this idea of God in a box, it's like here's God, and if you if you step outside of the box, you know your your soul is in is in danger of eternal damnation. So you better not question it. You know, so here it is. Here's the story stick in the box, be safe. And, um, yeah. And, and I think because of that, there's a lot of fear as a kid to like explore and ask questions, you know? And, um, and then of course, you know, the adults are all modeling that as well. 
So there's this, there's, you know, and, and there's, you know, we're humans, but then we're held to this high standard. And then there's this suppression and dysfunction that comes from that, you know, affairs within the church and saying one thing over here and acting another way over there, you know, so that's what I speak of in, in, in regard to the hypocrisy, you know, and, and I grew up in the Pentecostal church and um, I was heavily involved in, in the youth group. And, you know, w- whenever I was in Pentecostal church, I grew up in a big like mega church and uh, there were, uh, it was, it was very charismatic and people running around with flags and, you know, hooping and hollering. And I was involved with the youth and getting swept up in all, in all that and going through the motions and not really knowing what it means. And then the adults kind of guiding us in that. And, and I remember, and then in my teens, I was involved in a, uh, assemblies of God church and uh, you know, also Pentecostal and, you know, we were loaded up as youth a couple years in a row down and we were taken from Pennsylvania and this overcrowded vans down to Florida to experience this revival, spiritual revival, which was taking place. And we waited out in the hot sun all day, all day long to go in and, you know, be touched and have this religious experience. And the kids were getting slain in the spirit and speaking in tongues. And, you know, it was just, it was a really interesting, phenomenal uh, experience and perspective and and a lot of confusion. And a lot of it probably in ways I wasn't aware of at that time, uh, didn't sit quite right with me. And again, you know, I didn't know what questions to ask, or maybe I didn't feel at liberty to ask the question. So yeah, you know, long story short, I think I, I was kind of turned off from the traditional church setting at some point. And at some point, I had to step outside of that and, and find the uh, courage to begin asking my own questions and, and exploring for myself, you know. Um, so that, that might give you some, some idea as to some of the dysfunction maybe that I, I'm referencing around my experience in the church. Yeah, that, that's good. Thanks for that, Matt. What gave you, I like the way you said it, the, 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 you know, to find the courage to start to ask the questions. What was it that, that gave you the, the, the courage not the not the questions to give you the courage. What what was what gave you the courage to begin to ask those questions? Uh, you know, I think there was a time when I just kind of rebelled. You know, I think I was like late teens, uh, like right around maybe a senior in high school, and I just stopped going to church and just kind of got began getting into a lot of this. You know, just the stuff. Um, you know that a lot of kids that age are just smoking weed, you know, lost my virginity, all these different things, you know, hanging out with like a rougher crowd and, and all these things. And, um, yeah, just kind of like left church and I think rebelled a bit and wasn't interested. And again, because I think maybe the way I was introduced or my experience within church, I wasn't, uh, wasn't interested at that time. So kind of left church. And, and then I went to college and I, um, I, I took a philosophy class. Mm. that philosophy class it's interesting I, I i took it twice with the same professor the first time i bombed it i got like a d or an f but then the second time i went back and i had a, i had a renewed interest and i i aced it and uh began asking these questions you know about the you know the nature of our existence and the nature of life and what is it really all about and it was really fascinating to me and i i really can pinpoint that class as a, a point of my life when my mind began to open up and I began to ask those questions and have the courage to ask those questions, you know? And I think there's probably just something inside of me that just didn't believe that if I had these questions inside of me, you know, I wasn't allowed to ask them, you know, I felt like, well, if God's a a loving God and he created me and these questions are in me and I have this curiosity, then it should be okay for me to explore and, and ask these questions, you know? And, 
and, and navigate myself to a place that feels good and, and right and sits with me. So I think probably just a culmination of those things. And yeah. yeah. Thanks for joining me and my guest, Matt Sinkovitz, here on Mojo for the Modern Man. Just a quick reminder, if you have not yet, please do subscribe on your favorite podcasting service and come by my website as well. Let's jump back in. Yeah. And uh, what else did the college years bring home for you? Um, what did the, well, see, interestingly, I, uh, I was a little, uh, atypical. I stayed close to home. I went to a community college and mm. I took four years to get my, my two-year associate's degree. And, uh, I like went to college for a, for a year, dropped out, worked in a kitchen. And, 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 and then I went back and changed my major to hotel management. I was a lot more focused and, uh, ended up, you know, making the Dean's list in the national honor society and doing really well. Um, I think the college years probably just, so I wasn't doing the whole dorm partying thing, you know, and there was a lot of my, uh, like a lot of my younger years, I kind of felt like I missed out on that. Cause that seems really fun, you know, just kind of being the young adult and just having, no, <laughs> you know, just being in that setting and having no rules and, you know, the wildness that goes on, but it's probably good for me in, in some way that I wasn't in that setting. But, um, yeah, I think the college years for me just, um, helped me get a little bit more focused showed me that whenever I was truly interested in something and applied myself to something I could do really well, helped me get more regimented and, and definitely put me on a, a career track that has supported me in, in being where I am today. You know? So you went in uh, just, uh, which, which direction did you go in career wise? So I started, I started my first year. I come from a family of news anchors and, and TV broadcasters and, um, so my first, I first went into college to study mass communications, but I just wasn't interested, you know, <clears throat> and, uh, I've never been much of a school guy anyway, but then, so I dropped out and, uh, and I have another uncle, a late uncle who was, uh, a vice president, a regional vice president of like Red Roof Inn at the time. Hmm. And he was always really successful. And I saw that and I was like, well, that seems like a good career path. So I, I went back. And, uh, you know, uh, studied uh, for hotel hospitality management and got my associate's degree in that. And that led me to like a five plus year hotel career, which I, which I did really well in, you know? Yeah. 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 Beautiful. And the, the, the split away from the church, uh, I have to ask, what's the, what did that do? to your relationships at, at home with your folks, et cetera. Yeah. I was kind of the black sheep. Um, I still, I still am, but I'm loved. I'm loved, you know, and um, embraced in, in my family. You know, I have a younger sister who's seven years younger than me. And uh, she really followed the traditional Christian track. And I'd say she's still on it. And she was very, uh, I think that really pleased my parents. That's what they wanted to see, you know? Um but for me, I went my, I kind of went the other direction. Now, interestingly, I still do prison work. I still do hospice work. I'm still a chaplain. I'm still, a, I'm an ordained minister, you know? So for me, you know, you asked early on what really laid the foundation for my, for my, the trajectory of my life. And that was my, my time in the church and my exposure to spirituality at a young age. Um, so it still had its effect, you know, and, and it still really rooted me in, I think, good things. But I, again, I had to go outside of that and begin asking my own questions and, and acquire my own understanding and relationship with God and what that means to me. 
Um, so I'm sorry. What was the question? What was the question? Again? I, I, I asked what the split with the traditional path that your parents were on. Oh, and what was the yeah. impact on the, on, on your okay, relationship? Yeah. 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 So, so, so of course, so, so I went this other direction and, you know, so I mentioned I'm, a, I'm ordained as a Buddhist minister. Um, to me, I really look at it like, a, like I, I take a much a universal approach to, to God or to spirituality. Buddhism was just something that came into my life and really served me and supported me in a, in a major way at a time I found myself in a really deep place through mindfulness and meditation practices. Um, but uh, let me think. Yeah, so, so I, I began going down this path and, and my parents didn't like it. They had, their, they had this uh, perspective and understanding of what Buddhism was. And it basically, if, if it's not Christian, it's not right, you know. And ultimately, you know, I, uh, I, I always understood that my parents had just a, a, a deep concern for the well-being of my, my eternal salvation. You know, that's yeah. really, I think, what, what they're concerned about is, you know, where am I going to go when I die? And I think that still is their concern. And I think their prayer uh, is still for my salvation um, from their perspective, you know. Um, so, yeah, for a lot of years, and it continues to be just something that we just, I knew that they were not really accepting of it. Um, but we just don't really talk about it much. And they've come to a point where maybe they don't get it or they don't approve, but they love me and I love them. And we just kind of, uh, it just kind of is, you know, and, uh, interestingly, you know, I'm, I'm an interfaith man, you know, so like this Sunday, I'll be going to the, to the uh, Russian Orthodox church with my buddy. And, uh, you know, I'll be enjoying service there. I go to the Hindu, uh, temple with the Hare Krishnas, you know, and, in two weeks, my mom's going to be joining me at that same Orthodox church, you know, because we still just really enjoy it. And I, I enjoy the ritual and, um, you know, I, I enjoy uh, experiencing all faiths and all traditions. So, you know, we're still able to come together on those things, which, which is cool, you know. Yeah, I, I find so just to, to editorialize for a moment, if I might, but in the conversations that I've had, I find often that the the folks who have had some sort of a, um, I don't want to call it a crisis of faith. It's not, unless it is, of course, but that are open to questioning what shows up in their lives as dogma from a, from an open-hearted place, you know, from an open-hearted place often find a, a, a different relationship with whether you want to call it God, the eternal, the the divine, the universe, but uh, uh, often I don't want to say come back to, but find a different path mm -hmm. to uh, a, a a deeper kind of faith. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah. For me, I think you know, can what I've found and established for myself is 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 a faith that's not just a Sunday morning or a Wednesday evening. You know, faith is something that I live. And, and, and today, my relationship with God or the universe or spirit or source or whatever you want to call it is stronger and more potent and more, you know, uh, an integrated part of my life than ever, you know, so 100 percent. And um, but, you know, so for me, I look at those early years as, as an introduction to these ideas. And what got you into the you'll know, be taking the step because one thing to be uh, to study buddhism um it's 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 another thing to take that next step 
and actually move into becoming a minister and then take the next step and go into hospitals and hospice and and yeah. and prisons etc so yeah walk us through down that path if you would yeah so i was about age 25 and uh, i was at kind of the end of my uh, hotel career which i didn't know at the time it was the end of my hotel career but i was just in a place you know i was in this corporate setting i had worked my way up really fast and i was like 25 like i said and uh doing really well, making like good money for my age. I, I think it'd still be good money, you know? And, um, but I, I worked my way up into the corporate side of things, into the sales side of things. And I was like selling meeting space for, to groups and large convention centers and hotels and stuff like that. And, you know, I could have, I, I was at a point where I could have really continued to go up the ladder very quickly, which is an opportunity in, in the hospitality industry, if you're willing to move, you know, but I wasn't really willing to do that. And I was kind of finding myself bumping my head against the ceiling and, yeah, I just found myself at this kind of crisis, uh, I think an identity crisis and probably a lot of the stuff that, you know, just confusion and, and questions and maybe self-rejection and uh, discomfort with different aspects of myself. Um, and, and I was just in a really dark place, uh, obsessive thinking, um, you know, probably habits and behaviors, which were unconscious, uh, you know, and, and just really unhappy with myself and really unhappy with life. And uh, I, I, I recognize now that I have a tendency towards depression. And I, 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 as I reflect upon it now, I, uh, I remember experiencing that even as a teenager. I remember distinctly like looking out my bedroom window as a teen, like feeling depressed, you know, and, and now I can recognize it as depression. But, so I don't know if, if it's something that runs in my family. I suspect it may. Um, but yeah, I just found myself depressed. And whenever we don't have any understanding or familiarity, with our mind or how the mind operates, you know, and we really are identifying with our thoughts and really are identifying with our feelings, which is easy to do. We begin to feel and believe those thoughts and feelings are us. We begin to feel as though we have no control over them. We begin to feel a victim to them, a slave to them. Uh, we begin to feel maybe a prisoner of them and thoughts like thoughts be, beget like thoughts and like feelings beget like feelings that we can find ourselves in a deep hole quite easily. So I, I just found myself really at a point of like, feeling suicidal, you know, and uh, <clears throat> I was living uh, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, if you're familiar with uh, with the area at all, it's where mm -hmm. a lot of Amish and stuff are. I was working at this uh, <clears throat> uh, big convention center and I was all by myself and I was in a really just dark, lonely place. And uh, it was at that time, I remember I had my, like a, a moment of awakening. I'm sure we have many throughout our lives, but I had this moment of awakening. I remember sitting at my desk in this hotel, my office thinking, wow, if I can witness or see these thoughts and feelings, then maybe I'm not my thoughts and feelings. I kind of had this moment of awakening, like the observer, you know, and, and, and the one having the experience. I had this distinct kind of like awakening and, and, and for whatever it was, I can look back upon that and recognize that as the time that kind of prompted me to begin like exploring my mind and, and my relationship with it um, more. And like right that night or the next night, I went to like the Barnes and Noble or whatever. And I went to the personal development, self-help section. And I picked up a couple books. And uh, one was a book by um, Titnot Han about, you know, um, I forget was, I forget what the name of it was, but I think, I think it's called Understanding Our Mind. And I was like, oh, why? Well, that's, that's, that's the one I need. I wasn't even sure who Titnot Han was, I don't think at the time. Um, I picked up that one. I think I picked up one on just meditation. And I also picked up one uh, by a guy who I still follow today, Dr. Joe Dispenza. 
It was all about learning to, you know, the, the, the plasticity of our brains and how we can rewire our brains and our, and our way of thinking and being. So that was it. I just began going to work on understanding my mind and learning to take back, I think, uh, ownership, you know, responsibility for these things. And um, so that was kind of my start. And I began, uh, I ended up moving back, back closer to home to a, a small, beautiful town uh, called Carlisle. Pennsylvania. And, um, at that time, yeah, I was let go from my position in the hotel industry. That's when that ended. And around that time I found a local meditation group Mm. and began attending like Thursday evening meditations there and began really cultivating my own meditation practice and began connecting with the local Buddhist community. And that community was like a, an offshoot of a larger umbrella community called Blue Mountain Lotus Society, which is one of the predominant Buddhist uh, organ- uh, orders or organizations here in the Harrisburg area. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, a, a woman named Brooke was, was running this little satellite group. And through that, I ended up meeting my teacher, um, Sensei Tony Stoltz, who's a speaker and author and uh, a, a brilliant man. And yeah, just continued down that path. And ultimately, wanted to take my, my studies deeper. And the next step for me after spending several years around that community and my own practice was to uh, attend a seminary program that they had available, like a four-year seminary. And I just, I just wanted to deepen my own study. And that was the reason I did it. So I, I, so I embarked upon that journey. And, you know, I, I've, I had always, I recognized like around that time and now throughout my life that I always had like a spiritual calling in my life. Yeah. And, um, but, but that wasn't the intention for me when I went into the, into the seminary program. Like I said, I just wanted to, to study Buddhism at a deeper level and mindfulness and the mindfulness arts at a deeper level and mindfulness counseling, which I was introduced to and, and um, taught in. So that was it. And then it wasn't until after I, I graduated, really, or maybe toward the end of my seminary program that I kind of began to awaken to this uh, idea that I was like, oh, I could, I could do this work. You know what I mean? I could serve others. Um, with through this work and there are avenues for that. And that's kind of what led me to my work today. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for joining me. Ken Mossman here on Mojo for the Modern Man. And of course, my guest today, Matt Sinkovitz, check him out. You can see links in the notes for today's show, the intro notes for today's show. And you can reach me, of course, via my website, Cirrus Leadership. Cirrus is in the cloud. C-I-R-R-U-S leadership.com. I'd love to hear from you. Come by the website, sign up for my weekly musings. And of course, if you have not yet, please do subscribe to Mojo for the Modern Man on your favorite podcasting service. Big shout out of thanks to Josh Hines, my sound man. And of course, a big thanks to y'all for listening today. And don't forget to come back for the second half of my conversation with Matt Sinkovitz next week. We're going to dig into more of his work, his calling, and, and, and so much more of his own story. It is good, good stuff. Thank you so much. Make it a great day and be well.